welcome to the Welly Sport Podcast, where our aim is to provide interesting sports-related conversations with anyone from the world of sport, including old Wellingtonians now involved in sport and any other individuals who are now um, taking part, playing or engaged in the world of sport. For this episode, your hosts are me, Mr. Pratt, and Harry Petrie. Um, Harry, would you just like to give the listeners um, a little bit of background about yourself, um, what what you've been up to in lockdown, um, and I guess your sporting background? Yeah, so I'm Harry. Um, I'm in the lower six, Talbot. I joined in 2016. Um, Sport-wise, at Wellington, I've always done cricket. I've been doing a bit of basketball alongside that. Um, I've always done cricket forever. I have used to play for Bucks, um, and now I'm on the Hampton. Academy, um, and in the future, professional cricket. Um, many other cricketers have done the same. Try to get um, as much of a home gym as possible, um, and make up a makeshift net in the garden. Trying to um, keep fit and keep the bowling going. Um, so hopefully for the start of the season, whenever that will be. So, yeah. Yeah, Harry, you, you've probably been netting in the back garden with your older brother who left Wellington two years ago now. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Tom. Um, and we are incredibly lucky today to have two guests, one old Wellingtonian and one, um, I'm going to use the word legend of, of women's cricket or sort of to be legend. Um, but f- first up, the, the old Wellingtonian, um, who is probably the leading female cricketer to leave the school. And I think she'll probably hate me for saying that. Um, but our first guest that I'll introduce is Lissy McLeod. Um younger sister of current history teacher, Mr. McLeod, and that's probably uh, enough reference to Mr. McLeod for now. But Lissy, how are you doing? Um, what's going on for you? <laughs> Hi, Dan. Um, yeah, good. Um, I think I was quite lucky to come at a time potentially when girls cricket wasn't as big as it is now. That's probably why you've given me that title. Um, yeah, um, all good. Uh, still um, playing as much as I can. Uh, part of the Super League a um, couple of years. And then now I'm a teacher. So trying to mould minds and guess my way through life. <laughs> <laughs> and Lissy, just on your cricket background, so you are you still playing for Berkshire? I seem to think in my mind that you were captain of Berkshire last year. Am I making that up or is that accurate? <laughs> no, that is accurate. Um, yeah, well, we'd still be playing if the you know current situation yeah. and climate, but yeah, that's still that's still happening and uh, down at North Maidenhead and still enjoying that, which is quite which is good fun, yeah. Cool. Um, and then our second guest today is Anya Shrubsol. Um, and I'll, I'm going to have to read it off, but then I'll, I'll sort of let Anya give some background to it. But um, the list of accolades is sort of fairly extensive. Um, coming up now, I think I'm writing saying to a 12 year international career, um, an MBE, a World Cup winner, an Ashes series winner. Um, and I think probably most impressively within the cricketing world now was the first female to grace the front cover of Wisdom as well, which I suspect probably um, got got some people talking within the uh, the traditions of the cricketing world and particularly wisdom as well so Anya welcome same questions I guess I asked to Lissy sort of how, how are you what what have you been up to with with this lockdown situation yeah hi thanks for having me um just um I guess similar to Harry except I haven't got a big enough garden to have a net in the background but um <laughs> yeah just um just trying to keep fit trying to Desperately tried to order some dumbbells as soon as um, as soon as lockdown started, but yeah, just keeping fit and and um, 
finding ways to to pass the time really it's it's a bizarre situation at the minute um but yeah you just you make of it what you can and and hopefully we'll be able to get to play some cricket maybe a bit later in the summer and Anya, I guess uh, obviously there's a little bit in the in the media at the moment um, at the time we're recording this sort of at the back end of May about the the male uh, century contracted players going back to some bowling and, and a plan. At the moment, I don't think I've seen sort of a plan on, on the women's side. You, I suspect you probably know more, but it, how far away is sort of bowling for you and things like that? Or are you just trying to kind of keep things ticking over and is that some way off yet? Um, it's in the pipeline. I think it will probably start to happen in the um, in the next month. I'd imagine um, the guys are, are likely to be back playing before us, um, so it's obviously important that they were they got up and running fast. Um, I think there's still a pretty good prospect of of playing a, a series or two probably later in the summer. You're probably looking more at August and September. Um, so that obviously gives us a bit more time to play with. So I think there's some plans to get people back training, get back bowling and stuff like that, um, maybe in a few weeks or so, um, which would be really nice. I guess it's one of, one of those things where this, this world is now so unknown. It's all, you know, trying try to put everyone's safety, players, coaches, all the support staff and everyone like that as well, I guess, is so is so vital too. Yeah, without um, a doubt. Just uh, as, as a bit of fun and I guess to, to learn a bit more about people, if I... Uh, Lissy, I'll start with you first, and then maybe go to Harry, and then and Anya last. If if you were to uh, to go to a desert island and have to take three things from your house, you know this the lockdown situation suddenly comes to an end, and and instead you're you're able to disappear off to a desert island. What what three things are you taking with you, Lissy? <laughs> well, I imagine I can't do anything practical. Um, so. I mean, as you 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 know, my very fair skin. It's a possible to take a lifetime supply of sun cream. That probably <laughs> is the essential for the first thing. Uh, a ball, absolutely needed for me. Um, and then the complete works of Jews and Worcester to kind of keep things keeping me laughing through my copious amounts of sunburn. <laughs> <laughs> nice and an interesting three yeah sun sun cream is definitely essential and there has been a common theme so far with this question that everyone i think has said some sort of sporting ball or object to entertain mm. themselves with as well which yeah harry same same question what what three things are you taking with you yeah so i think definitely cricket ball that's probably number one on the list um yeah i'm not i'm not actually sure i think practically wise maybe a water bottle Maybe that's, maybe that's smart. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure uh, about the third one. Just, just the, the cricket ball. It may, maybe take yeah. the balls. You take sort of red, white, and pink these days. Yeah, that, that could be the three. That could be. <laughs> <laughs> and Anya, same question. What, what three things are you taking? Well, the first thing I thought of was my phone, and then I realised it had run out of battery. So I'm guessing <laughs> they haven't got many uh, charging ports on the desert <laughs> island. So I, I scrapped that. Definitely, I'm taking a ball as well. Sorry to be boring. <laughs> I mean, probably some sort of like knife or sharp object. I'm guessing I'm going to need to cut yeah. some things or catch some things or something like that. Gone, gone, uh, gone all Bear grills and survive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> you've got to look after yourself out there. <laughs> um, and probably like the long, the biggest book I can find that's going to take me an awfully long time to read, <laughs> whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think sensible choices. We, we haven't there hasn't been many suggestions of books. I think we've had somebody come up with their old school sort of um, 
discman or cassette player as well because they thought the battery life might last longer but yeah i think a, a phone's a good one but i've not i've not seen well i haven't been to too many desert islands if i'm honest but i doubt there's charging points on desert islands these days i have to take an old school nokia those batteries last forever yeah yeah you know, like snake You'd have Snake to entertain as well, wouldn't you? Yeah, this this is probably all, all a bit too retro for some of the people oh. now at Wellington. You, you probably haven't experienced Snake on a Nokia phone, have you, Harry? Um, I don't think I've not Snake. I remember Brick Breaker on the on the dad's BlackBerry. That's probably <laughs> oldest BlackBerry. Right, well, but... That's that's way too modern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the peak of technology. <laughs> cool. Right. So. Um, I guess uh, moving away from Desert Island, um, uh, sort of Lissy and you, I'll, I'll kick off and then I'll pass on to Harry. But just to, just to look at, I guess, Lissy, for you, specifically your sort of sporting experiences from Wellington. What, what sports what sports did you play whilst you were Obviously cricket, but what, what else were you involved with? Um, yeah, I, I absolutely loved hockey. So I hadn't played that before I got to Wellington. And then I kind of threw myself into into that, which is awesome. Um, and then unfortunately for Murph, didn't quite get me into netball. Uh, <laughs> so I pretended to play squash uh, in that in that middle term. And just, um, I think I played a couple of games. And then I also um, did a bit of rackets with Mr. Brett, you know, when yeah. they first started getting girls into that. Um, and that was really fun, you know, hitting one ball every ten. You know, but it's quite tough when you actually get get contact on it. Um, so they were they were what I was what I was up to on that way. And we've Mr. Tully is now our head of rackets. He's taken over from Mr. Brett. I'm sure you probably come come across Ryan at some point. But he he often talks to me about some similarities rackets to cricket. Is that did you find that yourself? Like we often find the cricketers seem to turn their hand to rackets a bit easier than some pupils. Yeah. Um, so I, I did it once. I started with a tennis player, and we picked, so we started together. And what Miss um, Brett loved was you know with a cover drive when you hit through the line. Where, so you kind of hit directly back onto the wall rather than trying to hit the front, the main wall. Yeah. Um, you had far more success. So that's why I think he was quite keen to get cricketers playing it because actually we hit the ball kind of back where it came from rather than trying to go against it. So it ended up being, yeah, I think there definitely were some similarities. And also the pace of the ball um, yeah. was also quite good. And Lisa, you, you referenced it already. Um, obviously sort of... It, it's become, and I'm, I hate to use this phrase, but sort of more normal, um, but certainly a, a, a more well-trodden path now. We've got a lot of female um, cricketers playing um, and obviously we've got a new indoor centre which has helped get them into the game and, and expose them to sort of um, different parts of the game in terms of skill sets that they might not have done normally. But cricket for you at the time, I, I do seem to remember you were pretty much, I think, the only um, girls cricketer we had at the school. Um, but but how did how did sort of you're probably going to correct me I think by the look on your face but how how did you how did you get into cricket how did that sort of come about for you? Um, well, Mr. Mattel get the reference here. He actually gets a mention. Um, he um, he was the one that in garden cricket he was um, he was obviously older than me and then he um, so so if I wore all his kit then I could then I could play. So I remember right. getting dressed up in his kit to play the tennis ball coming down at probably about 15 miles an hour. Um, uh, and then I just kind of got onto that. And then just because of the accessibility at that time, boys cricket was the only cricket I could play, really. Um, girls cricket was obviously still kind of um, a lot smaller. And then actually, I just loved it playing with the, with the boys. There was a couple of girls older than me who were in 
um, the teams, I think, when I first got there, in third and fourth, I think. And then, yeah, playing in the A-team stuff, it was, I think it was new for everyone, um, including the coaches of some other schools, which was quite yeah. neat. <laughs> I, I do, we, we've had sort of um, some girls in year groups play, play in boys A's and B's team the, the last few years, and it does always make me laugh when we end up going to an all-boys school and, and some of the faces of, well, you know, where can you possibly get changed? Where can you possibly <laughs> go to the toilet or anything like that? It's it's like it's, you know, a completely foreign concept. But yeah, exactly. You, you ended up, in your senior year, What did you end up playing in the seconds? Am I right in thinking that? You kept yeah, playing yeah. Um, and and your same same sort of question to you, sort of your 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 school sporting background. What what did that look like for you? Um, to be honest, the, the majority of the sport that I played was um, was out of school. Um, I played some cricket at primary when I was at primary school. We had a coach come in, but a lot of the sport I played was away from school. I went to I just went to an all girls um, state school in Bath, and sport wasn't. Obviously played it, but it wasn't something that was was particularly big or anything like that. It's, they have amazing facilities and all of that. So I played sport. I played a bit of hockey. I played a bit of netball. Didn't massively like either, but I just love playing sport. But I played a lot of cricket, football, rugby. I did swimming, and I but I did that all away from school. Yeah. Um, kind of with clubs and things like that. So my sport wasn't that attached to my school really. Um. Which is a shame, but um, I guess it shows how important clubs are outside of that as well. Absolutely, and that that I guess in itself is quite cool, isn't it? That you kind of you, you've both managed to sort of make your way into cricket, but in completely different routes from that perspective. I think so. So much gets made of almost to get to the top in cricket these days. You've almost got to go to an independent school. Is sort of what is kind of pushed around in the press. But your your scenario there would probably disagree with that. Um, I think quite quite interesting. Both of you reference, and I don't know any if you think this is important. Both of you reference kind of playing a lot of different sports when you were younger um do you, do you think that's kind of helped you i mean the the p- particularly sort of cricket i guess has come on so much in the last sort of 10 or 15 years in terms of the athleticism in the field um with the shorter forms of the game do you, do you think that that's something that's helped you get to that stage yeah absolutely i it's something that i would i would 100 percent encourage and i would i would almost make someone if you if you didn't have to specialize then you shouldn't until you absolutely have to, because there are so many skills um, that you can learn from other sports that are transferable. Lissy obviously talked about it just with rackets, but you think about if you play squash or badminton, that kind of short, sharp change of direction, and then link that to the field. Um, And like I've done quite a lot of work with our pathway over the years, and you can tell within two minutes who the the girls that play other sports and the girls that just play, play cricket they just they are so much more athletic they just move so much better because cricket's quite a niche sport you actually do spend a lot of time standing still yeah. um, like that, you do. that's why we all love it isn't it's it you're <laughs> to have food halfway through it it's, it's a brilliant sport really but it's quite niche so in terms of those kind of movement skills and strength and stuff like and endurance and playing your football hockey all of those kind of sports is so important and I absolutely would not specialize until you didn't really have another option and and then and then as you as you went on in in your career how, how did sort of cricket become your your number one from from all of those sports you played did it, did it sort of did you just stumble across it or did it just sort of develop out of somewhere 
Um, it just kind of, it, it was probably the one I played the earliest. So my dad played cricket and I spent a lot of time from a really young age down at the cricket club watching him play and had a bat and had a ball and always wanted to just kind of play. So I probably played it the earliest. To be honest, it was probably just the one I was the best at first, really. Um, like I said, I played lo- I played lots of sports and gradually I kind of had to lose them just because there wasn't enough time to do them all. And, and cricket was just really the one I was best at first, I think. Is pretty much the way. I should probably have a better story than that, but I don't. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I dare say that's pretty normal, isn't it? And I suspect that somebody in your life was probably the, the taxi driver amongst all those sports in terms of, um, by the sounds of it, sort of not necessarily doing it as much at school, but doing it through the club system. So you probably had to have a, a support network there to get you to and from things. Mainly my poor mother. And she doesn't really <laughs> like sport. <laughs> It's incredible the, the the amount of shout out I think particularly mums have got on on the podcast so far in terms of um, taking people to and from things. I know um, Hannah Joseph last week referenced that a mum bless her would end up sat up training for sort of four hours, probably pre smartphones being the way they are now, where you can easily pass three or four hours on some sort of social media. And um, yeah, I dare say sort of a, a good book was needed while sat in a car park for a lot of people. <laughs> Um, Harry, I'll pass over to you now. So, a couple questions on professional sport in general. So, uh, first to Lizzie. So, um, what's it like being part of a Kia Super League team um, at the moment? Yeah, well, it's it's kind of a surreal thing um, at the timing of it. Because obviously when I first started playing, the professionalisation of it wasn't really a thing. So, since playing, it's become more and more popular. So... Playing at the at those grounds was just phenomenal. Just tr- even just training on Taunton the day before, and kind of walking on the on the pitch is just um, yeah, it's it's really um, it's interesting. And um, I what I liked about it the most was obviously um, you don't get it that often when you play school sport or, or club sport, but actually spending a lot of time with the team, and then actually then spending two or three months, you then live together, you train together, and actually your whole mindset becomes that team, and then you it just becomes even more fun than what you what you thought um so yeah it was a definite it's definitely definite highlight of cricket yeah um so anya um you've been a part of a variety of teams across the world including the perth scorchers not to mention an international career now spanning 12 years this all must have been an amazing experience and did you ever imagine it would play out this way oh absolutely not to be honest and um, i just um i wasn't necessarily uh, I wouldn't say I necessarily had this like big dream from a really young age that I wanted to play cricket for England. But I think a lot of that was also just due to like, it just wasn't really a, a big thing. It wasn't in the public. It wasn't something that you'd kind of, you'd have to be really interested to kind of follow it and know it was about and all of those kind of things. I Like I said, I just, I played sport. I absolutely loved playing sport, any sport. And I just wanted to be the best and I wanted to win. I'm very, very, very competitive at pretty much anything. Still am, and that's that's how that was my approach to sport. I just wanted to be the best, and I wanted to win. Um, and then, kind of, what would be would be. And when I so I when I made my debut 12 years ago, I mean, to call it semi this is playing international cricket, but to call it semi professional would probably be a stretch. Mm. Um, we got some funding, we got some lottery funding, we trained as a squad probably once, as an entire squad, once a month, um, and then played a, a series in the winter and a series in the summer, pretty much. Um, so to see where it is now, 12, 
years on is is just incredible. The the growth of women's cricket is is just gone beyond recognition, really. And uh, and you see tournaments like the Super League, the hundred, when that comes around as well. It isn't now just the international game; it's kind of professionalising all the way down. So. Um, yeah, I kind of stumbled across it a bit, but and it, I didn't think it would go quite how it's gone. <laughs> so um, now to what I imagine would be one of, if not the greatest moment of your career and winning a World Cup at Lords. <clears throat> so what was that experience like, particularly thinking about bowling in such a high pressure situation? Um, well, it was it, it was one of the best. Well, it was the best day of my career so far. Mm-hmm. Um. I think just to be in a World Cup, like to play in a home um, World Cup in front of a sold-out Lords, like such an iconic ground, um, was just incredible. And um, I had a thing recently where um, Sky have been doing these watch-alongs. Um, so we had a watch-along of the World Cup final and um, I was on it with Heather, our captain. And we kind of didn't realise how bad a position we were in we were kind of watching it going we've got absolutely no idea how we ended up winning that game it was it was just crazy so it was one of the it, it was one of the best days of my life for sure and um I'd be amazed if um anything beat that in my cricket career what's <laughs> left of it yeah. and I guess looking looking back you probably I suspect you, you've heard sort of more recently, some of the men talk about last year in terms of, uh, I think the thing that's incredible with someone like Owen Morgan is he shows this incredible clarity of thought in these really high pressured scenarios. Can can you remember back to almost sort of when you're at the end of your run up ball in hand thinking, right, this this is the ball, I, like, this is what I'm trying to nail, this was my plan or did it all happen too fast? Kind of what, what was sort of the process, I guess? Um, it did eventually. So I, I came back on for my my last spell and the first two balls went for four and I remember thinking I don't really know what I'm doing here um so I, I then but I then was able to become I had a bit of a chat with Heather and I was able to come quite clear and I basically resigned to bowling two like one of two balls and trying to keep it as simple as that and then once we kind of got on a roll honestly for me my memory of it is everything we got seven wickets in about 10 minutes but <laughs> what happened it probably took about half an hour but it, once we kind of got one wicket it was kind of like we got one wicket and we won that was it like that's yeah. kind of my memory of it so yeah. I was able to get enough clarity to get a wicket and then it just kind of happened really from there uh, and, and how I suppose like we've probably all experienced in some shape or form that scenario in sport where it does seem that kind of something just just sort of turns in your favour and and I always kind of I look back and I suspect you the, the group of players who were together sort of a very tight-knit group it looked it certainly looked that way and uh, particularly I guess from the celebrations which I guess isn't isn't the best one to judge from because why wouldn't you be a tight-knit group when you start celebrating but but was that helpful to sort of you've referenced Heather Knight there as someone to call on but that kind of support group of players and I presume staff as well was probably sort of crucial in getting to the point you got to yeah without a doubt and and one of the things that I think worked in our favour is we'd had two or three pretty close games all the way through I mean we won the semi-final off the penultimate ball um we had a game against Australia that went down to the last ball a pretty close game against India first up in the tournament and apart from the India on which we lost we'd come through all of those so I think that really helped us in that moment and we'd also had different people who had who had played massive roles uh, throughout that so I think that really helped us as a group 
um, in that moment is we had that experience to draw on and we knew we had somebody or people who could who could stand up and make a difference yeah I think yeah, I, I, an amazing watch back. I haven't I haven't seen the watch along, but I might I might go back and find it on Sky just to uh, to reminisce on it. But um, Lissy, I'll come I'll come back to you. Um, I'm I'm not entirely sure what your answer to this is going to be, but in your time at Wellington, um, I think there was a point from memory, and I know I know Mrs. Pratt would sort of maybe argue this at the moment, but you you had to balance your sport and work at some point. I think. Um, how, <laughs> How did how sort of on a serious note? I guess you you did have a lot of cricket going on. Um, I, I can sort of remember you having to disappear off to some ECB performance camps and things like that in in half terms. I think from memory, certainly in summer holidays. So sort of balancing cricket, work, social life, hockey, that the whole lot. How how did you kind of go about that? Um, yeah, it's one of those things. Kind of always kind of just spirals and it gets more and more in the intensity so you, you get happier and happier with the cricket going getting more but then actually then the teachers are knocking on your door wanting the the coursework and I guess with cricket as well whenever we went on tour it was always over Easter so obviously as we know as a people that's a very crucial time for work and I was obviously trying to do some revision whilst in South Africa which I mean if I can't work when I'm at home in front of a desk it's very difficult um I think it goes to the teachers I mean the teachers I had were so patient with me and it matter of getting that planning right and trying to see what's going to come and actually preempt that you've got a camp coming up next week and can you actually work a bit longer on that Monday prep session or whatever it is or get grab that teacher for an extra half an hour to to ensure that you're not going to fall too far behind because there were moments where and I sort of live you know when you you're just kind of cramming work in too late and then that level of stress is just not what you need so I think it's just a matter of I mean top sport is scheduled so well that you it's not going to come as a surprise to you that you've got a camp in two weeks or whatever so actually um I'd always recommend from experience doing the work before going on the tour or around what you can try and achieve and actually then surround yourself with people who are doing in a similar environment so hanging out with the kids who are doing A levels rather than hanging out with 26 year olds who you're like (laughs) Uh, so yeah that they're my my piece of advice I think it, yeah, I can sort of see some smiling faces both for both from Harry and from Anya. I'm, I'm sure we've all experienced those scenarios where we have the best intention to get ahead of the schedule that we're we're on, pre disappearing off. And Lissa, you refer sunny climates like South Africa. It's um, it, it's never easy once you get out there to try and then keep up to speed with work when the sun's out and and it's sort of nice warm weather and there's a swimming pool and things like that. Yeah, you need to picture your teacher at the end of it. That that always that will always help. Or the email from the head of year saying, <laughs> you know, that there were these these, these pieces of work outstanding. Uh, so yeah, just try and think of the negative concepts rather than the beautiful beach. <laughs> <laughs> and and Lissy, sort of moving more now, you're you're in a teaching role. Um, sort of your experiences, um, uh, you know, as a sort of an aspiring athlete back in your school time to where you are now with your sport do you think that helps you in terms of you know working with with young athletes and and I guess young cricketers in particular yeah absolutely I mean you understand what they're thinking what they're going through and actually um and also you have a bit of perspective on it as well so obviously me as a gun ho child thinking that and putting the sport ahead of everything and now being having a teacher hat on it's quite interesting to see look back and see what how I was thinking and how these kids are thinking and trying to kind of guide them in the best possible way and 
obviously we've talked about how the, I mean, even the men's cricket since I was a child has gone up so so much. So actually, professional cricket for these, you know, for even a five-year-old is so in, like vivid in their imagination that therefore the reverse sweeps come out when they're six. Where obviously when we were younger, we kind of just got taught the manual and we just had it through. So that's also quite an interesting one. It's just trying to um, that one-day cricket in them rather than the chestnut cricket which obviously is what you kind of always used to emulate in the garden um, and actually trying to give them that that creativity and that that ability to express themselves um it's yeah it's really good fun and i'm really enjoying it i think it's that's that's so interesting isn't it how it's that creativity of you know people literally hitting the ball anywhere on the ground bowling any variety of different deliveries it's it's become such a massive part and it's not just cricket is it it's across every sport that creativity um i guess on on those lines a question to both of you and your you maybe you go first like uh, i doubt there is an answer to this but if there was a golden nugget in terms of making it to the top kind of what your thought on the you know the the one thing that's been absolutely vital for for you to get to where you are is there is there sort of one thing in your mind that's helped you um it's pretty it's pretty hard to to pick one thing i think something i've and this is probably i've learned as i've got a bit older is um it's kind of being prepared to fail being prepared to try things and being prepared to fail and learn from that in order to get better yeah um you'll have things that you're good at you'll have things that you're not so good at things you you need to get better at and and actually if you and i'm still rubbish at it now but if you can try and get comfortable with with failing a few times but actually to improve that's that's really important and it's definitely something i think it's probably more relevant to girls than it is to boys. Um, I, in my experience, on the whole, boys think they see something and they're like, oh, I'm going to go and try it. And if it doesn't work first time, they go and try it and try it and try it. Whereas girls yeah. will try it. And if it doesn't work first time, they'll go, oh, I can't do that. Anyway, that's, <laughs> that's it. So, yeah, being prepared to, to fail in order to kind of learn and get better is really important. Yeah, and I guess that almost reflects back on what you referenced with the World Cup scenario of having some difficult games and difficult moments and and some and a loss in there, than and being able to kind of use that to to move forwards with as well from that perspective. Lissy, is there anything anything now that you think in terms of with the young people you're you're working with on a teaching coaching front that you kind of you think is really important from that angle? Um, yeah, and I obviously, again, not talking from personal experience, as you know, because you tried to get me in the gym, you know, however many times. <laughs> I think it's like consistency and discipline. Um, and actually, I think, as again, you know me, I think playing like you have, like, training like you have no talent, I wish I'd done that more. I think I kind of, you know, there's a way when you're young and you're doing well at kind of a level where you can just kind of almost cruise to a certain extent and actually if you kind of have that dogged determination to I don't actually have any talent I need to work harder than everyone around you I think ultimately you'll do better than if you um you know take things a bit steadier like I did (laughs) (laughs) and and, I mean as Anya said you know you're you're reflecting on that now aren't you and you've moved on and and I know you've learned from that and and so on and so on before before I pass back to Harry, um, Anya, I'm not sure there's there's an answer to this question, but I guess the, the question is more around sort of what your future ambitions in, in the game might be. But I, I'd sort of written down what what would you like to do again in the game? Win it, win an Ashes, win another World Cup, 
be on the front of Wisden again. Uh, sort of what 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 are the future ambitions for you um, with where with where you're currently at in your career um, looking forwards? Um, we we've got a world we've got a the next fifty over World Cup coming up in 2021. Hopefully, yeah. uh, obviously as it's <laughs> with what's going on at the moment, it's it's I guess hard to hard to predict. But that's in the kind of sort of February March um, 2021. So fingers crossed that I can go ahead, and I just think it would be amazing to um, be able to retain um, that title. I think being realistic, I probably won't make it another four years to another 50 over World Cup. So um, that would be amazing. And then our next Ashes series is in Australia. She says confidently. I think it is. Our next Ashes series is in Australia and it would be, um, we haven't been that successful in Ashes series the last couple. So it would be nice to um, to win over there because that is, that is tricky and they're the best team in the world. So to be able to topple them on, on their home soil would be great. And then, just be able to retire with some grace. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost become the holy grail, hasn't it? In going peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, as a fast bowler, they, that's almost kind of you, you probably your own fitness and health at the end of your career is um, it's not always that easy to come by as a, as a fast bowler these days. Yeah, so I'd like to be able to retire while still being able to move. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it's almost the holy grail, isn't it? Going for for an English cricketer to go to, go to Australia and and win down there has kind of been. Um, I mean, I, let's not compare it to the World Cup because I don't think you can compare them because obviously they're both incredible achievements. But to go to go away um, and win down there is is something I suspect is probably on most English cricketers' sort of bucket list, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. And because of our Ashes being multi-format, if if you win, you you really know that you've been better. Yeah, over the course because yeah. you play all three formats so it'd be nice to be able to do that I don't know when we're scheduled to go there maybe 2021 as well that's a big year <laughs> year ahead <laughs> let's let's hope we're out of lockdown by then fingers <laughs> crossed <laughs> Harry, Harry I'll pass back over to you hopefully you're there Harry um, so this is a question for both of you um, so we'll start with Issy so um no, Lizzie, sorry. Um, what are you doing to keep busy at the moment? And what does that mean um, in lockdown? Um, so lots of, um, just lots of home workouts. I've got two dogs as well. So keeping busy, uh, you know, long walks with uh, with them. Um, and then as Mr. Powell know, and you will know as a student, I, with virtual teaching, that is taking copious amounts of time. Um, so I'm throwing myself into that. Um, and then with the weather, it's fine. It's brilliant because obviously you can just go outside and um, just spend, spend a whole day that side, really. <laughs> Very boring. But I feel like everyone's London's going to be boring, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, to Anya, um, same question pretty much. What you don't keep busy and what does this mean for your cricket? Um, especially when will you back I think you answered earlier but um, when you think you'll be back bowling um, yeah so hopefully um, with the kind of I guess the relaxing of restrictions a bit um, and stuff like that so the guys have been able to start doing a bit of individual training ours will probably start the kind of back end of June um, with a view to potentially having a series um, I think it will be against India or South Africa uh, later in the summer, probably August, September time. 
um, to keep busy. Um, I've taken up cycling, so I've got a bike and I go out cycling quite a lot. Um, kind of do the gym sessions that are set by our S and C. Um, I've got a dog as well, so walking the dog. Um, I'm very up to date with TV series. Um, I've got this bus. I'm slowly working my way through that. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I, I presume I presume we've all have we watched uh, the Last Dance on Netflix. I mean, you referenced being super competitive earlier, and yeah, if you if you if you have, then I suspect there's maybe a a parallel there with with Michael Jordan. He was he was, appears fairly competitive. I'm not sure I'm as competitive as he is. <laughs> that, that's a whole new level of competitiveness. I, yeah, <laughs> I think he's in a league of his own, isn't I he? I think he is as well. But he was very good, so maybe that's where I'm going wrong. um uh, so so moving moving tax and slightly sort of different topic um something that we're very passionate about sort of wellington is trying to make sure that we're providing equal opportunities both um for for boys and for girls across all of our sports now um i just wonder sort of you know lissy potentially reflecting back on your time at wellington and, and maybe looking forwards kind of where you see women's sport developing and evolving in the future i feel like my opinion is slightly controversial to what's happening so obviously with more participation in women's sports and more numbers naturally there are going to be more there'll be more girls teams coming together um and i think that's awesome for the game and especially you know having girls surrounded by girls and actually giving them confidence um so i absolutely loved being part of the boys team um, and actually being exposed to them and with them consistently. Yeah. And actually, if I look back and talk about the best I've played, it was probably with them because it made you know it upped the ante a bit. And it also probably helped with the mutual respect between yeah. me and the boys because obviously yeah. if I did, they just hear these things, they don't really they can't really put it into you know that what they they can understand. But the minute you were in the middle with them they suddenly be like, oh, okay, I understand what's happening here. Um, so actually, I think trying to expose, trying to mix sports for as long as possible, I think is really good, not necessarily playing single-sex sport from under, under eight. Um, so that's what, for me, and that, Wellington were awesome um, on that, giving me the opportunity to do that. Um, and I know many schools haven't done that, so... I think it's 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 interesting, isn't it? Because it's probably no different in you know whether or not male or female. When that scenario of sort of a, a talented young player plays up a year group and and it stretches them and and sort of puts them in those situations where I guess we've said already, you know, you you learn from those those new challenges that you face. I guess that's that's sort of pretty much what you're you're sort of referencing there, Alicia. Yeah, exactly. And I think I don't know. It's a huge generalisation, but I know girls. We're happier when we're around friends and in a comfortable environment. And obviously, and that's natural. I think. I think where boys obviously want to be in the first eleven, like, come on, give me that opportunity. So actually, it's quite unnatural to push a girl and go, right, you've got the opportunity to play first eleven boys, or you can go and play girls. Quite few would go naturally. So I think trying to keep pushing them to be the best they can be, because I think sometimes it's hard for I know some girls to do that. Um, so yeah. And, and Anya sort of saying, I know you referenced it earlier, sort of looking at how the how sort of cricket's developed in in your career and, and the span of that, I guess, where, where do you see the future of it? I suspect sort of, you know, the, the 100 was probably going to be a massive thing this year. And obviously, unfortunately, it's now pushed back. But sort of where, where you see women's cricket evolving to in the in the future, if that's. Yeah, I think it will keep 
growing as it has, I think, um, similar to Lissy, most of my, when I was younger, I played boys cricket. And then if I was, when I was good enough, I played women's cricket. There wasn't really a kind of girls cricket. There wasn't a middle ground. There wasn't girls cricket like there is now. And I think what, with more girls cricket and stuff like that, it's really helped participation and all of those kind of things, which are crucial because sport isn't all about trying to play international sports. Sport is about getting people outside with their friends, being active, being healthy. So participation is a huge part of that. And it's easy to overlook that. I think very similar to Lissy, I absolutely think playing boys cricket had a huge um, benefit to me. It made me more competitive. It made me want to prove I was there um, by right, I wasn't. It wasn't a token gesture. I was absolutely there. But I think I've probably come around to the idea now that you should do what is what you are most comfortable with. If you are good enough to play with the boys and you want to play and you don't care, then go for it because I think it's a real challenge. If if it's either playing the boys team or not play at all, like that's that's not ideal. So that's where the the girls teams and stuff like that are amazing. But I think it will keep growing. And um, obviously the hundred will be really important when it comes around next year. Um, they've got new domestic contracts coming in, which will have come in this summer, but are kind of being moved um, for obvious reasons. So we're going to start, when all of that comes together, we'll have, at the moment, we have 18 professional cricketers who are in the England setup, and then everything else under that's kind of amateur. The 100 in these new contracts will allow a further 40 female cricketers to effectively be professional, which is which is huge. And then I just see that growing and growing and growing. I think that that seems to be sort of the pattern, doesn't it, across a sort of reference kind of maybe Netball Super League, which is now kind of getting towards that level with with televised um, coverage and, and so on, on on that front as well. I think but both of you, it's a really interesting point, the kind of the mutual respect thing of of playing boys and girls sport. We we had a our, the first 15 rugby played the first seven netball this year, which I think... Um, the, the first seven netball girls ran out winners, which I think they'd have been distraught about if they'd lost at their own sport. Um, but I do, I do think it genuinely, you know, you, you chat to sort of the boys who played in that, it gives them a genuine appreciation and understanding of, of it. Um, and I dare say that's that's all part of it as well, particularly, um, you know, cricket, maybe even more so where you sort of, it's, it's pretty much a level or, or it's, to a certain extent can be a level playing field, I guess to a certain age anyway, until sort of, maturation potentially kicks in for boys that um, being able to play sort of co-ed cricket is is a pretty um, you know relatively easy experience to to make possible for people um harry i'll, I'll pass back to you um so these questions are about um school and your like sporting career so um we'll start with lissy so what was your biggest challenge in your sporting career and what have you learned from it Oh, my um, biggest sporting. Big question. That is a big question. Um, I feel. I think. Well, I, I guess in terms of it probably isn't a singular moment, but it's probably the moment that um, cricket became professional. And that's quite a strange response, I guess, because if you thought that would probably be the most exciting part of it, but um, going moving from doing it just for fun and just because I wanted it and then actually getting told, well, now we put a penny in your pocket. There's now the expectation that you have to be here and actually deciding whether that's kind of what I want and actually deciding between the life that I was having and then actually do I want therefore to go professional. So actually that was interesting. And then it then exposes your character, doesn't it? When you get kind of pushed and pushed and you get told, um, 
you know where you actually are and where you should be and things so probably there wasn't a singular moment but I think that moment where there was the shift in women's cricket moved from amateur to professional and actually are you going to get on board with it are you going to um tickle the boxes and commit um so that was probably the most my most challenging moment um yeah yeah so um uh, pass that question over to Anya so what was your biggest challenge in your sporting career um probably uh, so I, when I first got into the squad probably for the first four or five years I picked up a lot of injuries um yeah. and they're always they are always challenging and um I guess the most challenging thing for me was I'd kind of I kind of gotten a bit of cycle where I got an injury rehabbed rehab is very boring <laughs> got back into the squad got back into the team and then got an injury again and you just kind of go in a bit of a cycle and mm-hmm. you kind of think that's how it's going to be so so kind of overcoming all of that was was a cha- was was challenging um injuries are challenging mentally um and it probably took me a a while slash too long um to really cotton on to what i'm what I really needed to do and get a bit fitter and all of those kind of things. But yeah, injuries just in general are pretty challenging to deal with, particularly if you kind of have multiple. Yeah. So um, we'll go back to Lissy. So is there anything you regret not doing looking back at your time at school? My biggest thing, especially now I'm a teacher and, you know, cricket is, you know, taking isn't quite there as, as much as it was. I think there are so many good teachers at Wellington and they were so patient with me and they were awesome. Um, and just a matter of committing, giving more back to that and actually getting my head down and sorting my academics out a bit more. Um, I mean, it was it was fine in the end, but it's just a matter of actually taking advantage of the people that are there because they were phenomenal. And actually, I don't think I quite appreciated it at the time how lucky I was to have them. And I, it's a huge cliche, but that's probably how my biggest regret is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the same question to Anya. So is there anything you regret not doing um, at your time at school? Um, not really, to be honest. I, I was... Um, I think I led a, a very different um, life to Lissy. I just kind of got my head down at school and um, <laughs> I was, well, I'll use the word boring. I was very boring. I probably could have had a bit more fun and not taken it all so seriously. Probably the complete opposite to, um, to Lissy. But I guess I was in a situation where I, I got in the England team when I was 16. So my kind of A2 year, my A-level year, I was was trying to balance the two and... I guess it makes you makes you grow up pretty fast. So my first, my second tour, sorry, was an away tour to Australia for about eight weeks. So I'm 17, halfway around the world, and you have to grow up pretty fast. So um, I probably saw school as a bit of a means to an end. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed learning, but I probably I I don't have any great friends from school or anything like that. That kind of passed me by. So I should maybe have. Done that a bit more. Lissy, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I I love the um the sort of the 
the way it's almost become sort of a, a I didn't mean it to be, but like a, a self thank youing to to staff at Wellington. I didn't realize I didn't sort of intend the podcast to, to go down that route. Um, it, honestly, that wasn't a planted question or answer. Um, and you just to, just to pick up on what you said there about that that sort of a long tour at, at that age, and um, I, I know Harry will sort of experience this in his time, um, and I'm sure it'll there'll be sort of future experiences of this. But that that scenario where you could have, in theory, stopped your schooling, um, but obviously you you didn't. You you sort of chose to sort of balance the two together even though that would have been an incredibly difficult situation when you're you know we're in a situation at the moment where pupils are missing a lot of time at school because of lockdown um you know you've missed a lot of time at school there with um with being away on a tour and, and i'm not sure quite what support you'd have had provided to you but kind of the, the reasoning there not to kind of just say oh you know what i'll stop school and i'll i'll sort of throw all my eggs in the, the basket of cricket did did that ever cross your mind to do it didn't cross my mind, no. And I think a lot of that would have been just where women's cricket was at that time. Like I said, it was even if you reached the England, it was very much a um, very much semi-professional at best. So if I'd have thrown my eggs in the cricket basket, I'd have been throwing my eggs into something that provided me with absolutely no money whatsoever. <laughs> so in lots of respects, I actually consider myself very lucky because I think that will be a real challenge now. I mean, I think you've got to stay at school till you're 18 now. I obviously didn't have to, but I I did that. I had a gap year. I worked, my dad's a teacher. I worked at my dad's school for a year and then I did a degree. And uh, it will be trickier for people coming through now is they could throw all their eggs in the cricket basket and hope that works because there is a career there. Yeah. But if it hasn't worked, if it doesn't work, then what have you got to fall back on? So I'm I'm lucky that cricket and all of that allowed me to do the two I've, I've finished school I've got a degree um and it kind of worked out perfectly in that I finished my degree and cricket kind of went professional and I got professional contracts so I've been pretty lucky with the kind of timeline of things so it wasn't anything that crossed my mind I was really lucky with my head of sick form and how understanding she was and most of my teachers not all um in terms of the support they offered um whilst I was away I think I did a maths A level and the maths teacher said, well, if you're not here, that's unlucky. I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> uh, a maths A level is not easy, I can tell you. Um, so, look, I, I kind of got a bit lucky with timings and things like that. And it's going to be a really difficult decision for young girls now mm. in the same way that it's probably been a difficult decision for, for young boys for a, a number of years uh, about whether they do further education or, or yeah. their eggs in the cricket basket and... I think I think it, you know I think it's cool when you hear people's experiences that you know sort of joking aside that the support is so crucial isn't it whether or not it's the 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 parent driving us to training whether it's teachers um you know whether it's a different route to get to professional sport that means you go to university and it's a bit later or or whatever that is but it it kind of seems to be sensible that you have that support and it seems to be sensible to kind of have a plan b in case because unfortunately the world of sport you know you referenced it as a as a fast bowler you know he's probably more injury prone than most in cricket but there's always that injury risk for for anyone in sport unfortunately 
Um, just to, just to start to to sort of wrap things up again. This isn't a planted question, Lissy. You don't have to say me. Um, you you also uh, you know you don't have to say Mrs. Pratt either. But I'll I'll ask both of you the same question. Um, again, thinking about your time at school or potentially sort of post school um, in club sport or county cricket. Um, favorite coach that you've had and, and why? <laughs> Uh, see where Mrs. Pratt comes in here. Don't <laughs> um, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? So with at school, probably my well, Miss Pearson was there when I was there. Yeah. Um, so obviously having that female figure as the as the A's coach, and then helping me out with that. So she, in terms of as a figure, was awesome. Um, and then um, technical wise. I mean, they're all they're all great. So, I mean, Mrs. Pratt has to be just the standout human being that I met at, Col- uh, at Wellington. So, I think she can get the shout out for the best the best coach in hockey. Uh, yeah, I'm sure she'll she'll be delighted with that. And I think it may, maybe just worth clarifying on there that when you refer back to Miss Pearson, I don't know um, her stats off the top of my head, but I played. Uh, an incredible amount of international cricket and they're you know sort of a great role model from that perspective is is sort of who you're um referring to there so yeah a shout out for lucy pearson as well i think uh as someone else who's phenomenally humble about her her sporting career too um cool thank you and yeah same same question if you if there's one and it doesn't have to be school related but if there is one sort of coach um that you think's kind of made a difference or maybe just one person that's made a difference to your your career um it's so hard to have had so many but uh, i mean there was probably a coach i had so back when i was on the somerset academy so probably for about five or six years i had a bowling coach called ben wellington and he pretty much did all of my bowling from when i was 12 13 to when i was about 18 so in that kind of period and that's a really important period he made such a he made such a difference. So he's probably one that really, um, really stands out for me, I would say. And in sort of, you say made a difference. What, what in particular sort of, was it about him that you think kind of makes him stand out in your mind looking back? I think he was, he was a really good coach. He, was, he um, <laughs> as you would hope on an academy, but he, he obviously knew his stuff. But also I felt like it, he kind of took the time to, I guess, understand me and how I work best. And I think that's that's really important for a coach because there's one thing to know know what you're talking about. But if you don't have a kind of a rapport, a relationship with the people you're working with, they're probably not going to listen. So um, he kind of was able to have both. And that was that was really crucial for me for, for a number of years. Yeah, I, I think that's again very interesting isn't it like you hit the nail on the head it's all it's all well and good as a, as a coach if you've got all this knowledge but if the person you're trying to work with has got no time for you then it's it's probably not going to work out as a great relationship Harry, Harry, <laughs> Harry you can um you can rest I'm not going to ask you the same question just because it, it would be awkward if you did say me or if you didn't say me and we won't, we won't go down that route but just to finish up with and then Harry and I will sort of have a bit of a wrap up once we've said sort of goodbye to, to our two guests. But f- final question um, to, to both of you, if you were to sort of be looking back now um, with sort of what you know, um, what you know, sort of cricketing wise, but also um, sort of professionally and, and how things have moved on in your own lives. If you were looking back to your your sort of former self as a 
lower sixth former or a fifth former um is there any sort of bit of advice you, you might give yourself Lissia I'll, I'll come to you first is there anything do some work yeah fitness I mean I mean obviously that was a that's been a hindrance my whole attempt at cricket uh you know you and I remember you and Mrs Pratt trying to get me running up and down the ash turf um uh yeah that would be massively for me i think and just be obviously like you've already mentioned before cricket is becoming so much more physically demanding and in the field and things and so for me it would be yeah acknowledging that the fitness side of things is, is essential to being the cricketer now uh so that would be my own thing so you got your tick there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a plastic and you're saying to you if you sort of looking back if there's one bit of advice that you'd you'd give your sort of former self or a, a pupil kind of making their way in the game? Um, I don't wish to be very boring. Mine's actually pretty similar to to Lissy's. It probably took me too long to to cotton on, and uh, I can tell you it's much easier to to get fit and do all of that stuff when you're 18, and it is much harder when you're 28. Um, that is that is the fact. So I probably would have done that a bit quicker. Um, and I guess probably actually what I talked about as my um, as my as my piece of advice, I probably wasn't prepared to um, fail enough. I was a bit of a perfectionist and I hated failing. And if there was something I knew I couldn't do or I wasn't very good at, I just didn't do it. Um, and yeah, yeah. that's not a, that's not a great avenue to develop. So I probably um, <laughs> learned to be a little less stubborn um, <laughs> when I was a little bit younger. <laughs> It'd be lovely, wouldn't it, if if, if oh, everything yeah. always went right. In fact, maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it'd be too boring. <laughs> um, anyway, right. Well, the the clock on my screen has just ticked over an hour. Harry and I'll, I'll have a little wrap up, but we'll um, at this point um, we'll say sort of goodbye. And Lissy, Anya, thank you very much, both of you, for for giving up your time this morning. Um, some some great insights into both of your backgrounds um, within sport. Lissy, yours yours at Wellington, Anya generally across your your career so thank you both very much for giving up your time and as we sort of are currently still in a slightly eased lockdown situation but obviously um from everyone at wellington stay stay safe and stay alert and healthy and all of those <laughs> kind of things thank you, thank you very much John. thanks harry Bye. harry just um to, to wrap up there, is there, uh, if I give you sort of a, a moment just to think in terms of any any key messages that you think have come out um, uh, of Lissy and, and Anya's stories there and their experiences, um, both at school and in careers within sport and, and Lissy now teaching, obviously, as well? Yeah, so there was a couple. Um, so the first one was the like trying to balance sport and still keeping work at school. Um, that's something that I know a lot of people, no matter who, what school you're at, um, do struggle with if you're trying to go pro. Um, so it's interesting getting their insight and how, how it happens to everyone um, and how like we're so lucky at Wellington to have people that actually are willing to help you through that, um, as Lissy said. Um, and then another thing, when Anya was talking about the World Cup final, how she said when she bowled, she just had the ball and just bowled it and it didn't go well and then she actually thought about a plan. And I think that was really important because when you're under pressure, you need to have a strict plan. Like, this is what I'm going to try, try and do. If that doesn't yeah. work, this is what I'm going to do. Because um, otherwise you're just running in and bowling and just hoping for the best. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, that was probably that was probably the main couple things. 
I think that's it's so true, isn't it? And, and it's maybe not even unique to sport, but sort of a, a plan for life from that perspective that so often um, the pace of life is so fast these days that having having a clear head and having a, you know, sort of probably a couple of options, but at least something to to plan to to get you to the end outcome of what, what you're trying to achieve. Um, on, on the on the sort of the physical training side of things obviously something you will have experienced recently as a sort of a developing fast bowler it seems that both of them would reflect back on that as as crucial particularly with and again it's probably not unique just to cricket but it's probably sport in general is so is so athletic now um is that something in your in your own mind is is important as well definitely i think um one thing that they said was that how by playing loads of other sports at a young age it gets you ready for whatever sport you're going on to. Um, and I think, as you see in cricket nowadays, but not just in cricket, in other sports, it's just getting more and more athletic. So everyone in the field at the moment, everyone has to be able to field. Everyone has to be able to be quick and get to the ball. Um, and I think that's definitely changed um, since the past. Because in the past, there'd be you could have the big, the really big batsmen who would just sit in the slips and then the bowlers who just go to fine leg. But now it's that anyone can field anywhere. Um, and I think that's important for all sports, so just getting more and more athletic and being more fit. And and last one, and and to, I'll put put you on the spot with it, Harry. I, I asked Anya the question whether or not she'd want to win a World Cup uh, an Ashes again, or or to she was named as one of the five Wisdom Cricketers of the Year in 2018. And and as most people now who follow the game know, she was the first female to be on the front cover. Mm-hmm. Um, you're obviously aspirational about a career in in cricket, which is brilliant. And you know, obviously, as things stand, things are developing really nicely for you um, with the support of Hampshire and. Um, other things you've been selected into in the past 18 months if if you had to pick one is it is it possible to pick one of those I mean it's big big question that is a big question I think I have thought about it before um I think it was more about whether we wanted last summer whether we wanted England to win the World Cup or the Ashes yeah and um I probably would say Ashes I think personally I love test cricket more than anything Um, I love ODI as well but I think winning an Ashes series would be the pinnacle of any career. Um, World Cup is brilliant, um, but for me, it would be Ashes. I, I think I agree. I think the cricket purists would go that way. And I really, I, and I apologise. That's an, an unfair question of me to ask. I don't, I don't think it's possible to split them. Um, anyway, we'll we'll finish there. Harry, thank you also very much for your time. Um, and the same as I said to Lissy and Anya, obviously. In this lockdown, although we're slightly eased, um, best wishes to you and stay fit and stay healthy. And fingers crossed we'll be back at school um, in the near future. Fingers crossed. Thank you, sir. Cheers. Thanks, Harry. Well done. Once again, feeling on a cloud, no off my own design.